the last thing the federal government wanted was a freaking serial killer on the loose. Welcome back to Talk Murder to Me. Um, this episode, John picked out the drink for us to make, giving know, us our he, hint. He took the fun all out of it. I know. We Jen and I had zero research involved, and therefore, if this drink is terrible, it's all John's fault. What do you mean I picked the drink? You picked the drink out. I No, I told you what ingredients were in it. No, you sent me, like, literally sent us a recipe. Of a no, I, that was my suggestion. I, All right, so we went with your suggestion, and I'm pretty sure your suggestion sucks. No, so it's we'll just, there was only like five drinks in the world that had these ingredients. Oh, wait, I said tomatoes. That was what we're doing, the theme we're doing. I know. And Bloody of, Mary is freaking tomato juice. Listeners, just so you know, Nicole and I literally took a, tomatoes and mashed them with a t- t- potato masher. In to order try to-, to squeeze out the juice. And we weren't able to get as much juice out of it as the recipe said we were supposed to. So literally, this is all vodka. And like a little bit of tomatoes and a little bit of basil. So like I'm drinking a salad. Alright, well let's try this thing. Oh, that is not good. Yeah, that's heavy vodka. There. That's, that is, this is, this is not good. So, John, we should have just made Bloody Marys. I mean, I'll drink it. I'm just going to squeeze this lemon into it. Well... And um and be miserable. You guys had one job. And I'm just going to... You know what? I'm going to forget about it by the end of the night. I'm just going to keep sipping it. And well, it's not a lot because we couldn't get a lot of tomato juice. Right. So. And, and Nicole, it's your night for surprise shots, so you can... All right. I'll read That's literally shot. just vodka with a little bit of tomatoes in it. Yep. Pretty much. And some basil. And lemon. And lemon and salt. Is that what the 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 Pinterest page looked great? Well, that's why you don't ex- judge a book by its cover. You've just experienced your first Pinterest fail. I didn't. I didn't make it. You found it and said we should do this instead of a bloody. Freaking What's the Mary. difference between a bloody Mary? Like, what would you have to do? Dip- I literally would have bought tomato juice and just added the vodka and some hot sauce and, and bloody Mary spices. You yeah. know, I think that one of the things is it's in the wrong cup. It needs to be in a martini glass because this cup makes it kind of look heavy. Nope, not the cup. It's, it's not a drink. changing the flavor. I mean, I just squeezed the lemon into it, and it's not, it's not terrible. Okay. But let's continue on to surprise shots. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are. It's a surprise. Do you like that's, that jingle? That's nice, yeah. <laughs> I made that up right now. I want you to tell everyone about the story, because those bongos have a story. It's yeah. not just, I mean, anyone could buy bongos, but these bongos are special. Yeah. These are parking lot bongos. Parking lot bongos. Yeah, someone left them in the parking lot at work, so I took them. I mean, you, you didn't steal them. They, no. they just left them. No, no, no. We, we went through the whole lost and found process. They were there for 30 days, and no one claimed them, so I took them. Yeah. And they're nice bongos, they too. They are. They, they are clearly from Cuba. They're like, what, they're like solid. They're not like children's playthings. These are real bongos. Yeah, I mean, that's like real. They say Cuba on them, and they have like a nice little picture on the other one. Huh. I think I'm going to... So now I've added the bongos to my repertoire of musical instruments along with the uh, ukulele and the tambourine. Mm, I played tambourine in my school's pep band. 
time for surprise shots. Cheers. Cheers. Surprise shots. Ah. Oh, that's Malibu. And I knew, <laughs> I knew you were going to pick that. I saw it in a liquor habit today. I was like, I wonder if Nicole's going to pick Malibu. But yes, that yeah. is Malibu. Yes, I did. Mm-mm. That's that Malibu's rum, right? That's Malibu is rum? Yeah. Okay. And it's, mm. yeah. I just feel like I just went to the beach for a minute. Yep. It was hot Damn, today. that was good. Mm, I could just drink that on the rocks. Yeah, literally. So let me ask you a question. We're drinking, what are we drinking? Tomato? Tomato shit. We're, we're drinking tomato drink. Martinis. Mar- all right, so tonight we're drinking tomato martinis. I told you guys that to make a tomato drink. Now I want your best guess. No, you told us to make this drink specifically. Well, any but anyway. Yeah, I want your best guess this on. This is why we're in charge of the alcohol. What the story is going to be about. In reference to tomatoes, like, why are we drinking tomato juice? I, I want you guys to guess. Someone is sitting in the, what's that thing with the hands in the... A scarecrow? Mm-mm. Nope, not a scarecrow. When they have their head in the hole and their wrists in the holes. Oh, yeah, yeah, and people throw tomatoes at them? Yeah, yeah. That's called a, um... You know what you're talking about? The prisoners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the knees are in the wooden block. Yeah, what's that called? We don't know what it's called, no. guys. You're just going to have to go with us here. But okay, so That's you're, my hang, guess. you're hanging in the head. Someone gets you throw tomatoes, tomatoes thrown at them. At yeah, them? rotten yeah. vegetables. So like back in the day, right, if, if a prisoner was to go, like, for instance, the, um, what was that thing called? The the wagon, paddy wagon? Yeah. Bring right. out Which your is dead. Yeah, the bring out your dead. So like they had like people would throw their rotten fruit and their rotten vegetables because they didn't know to eat them. They throw them at prisoners and they throw them at convicts. Yeah. I mean that's a real and thing. And people who are really bad at performing. Yeah, that's true. I feel like the tomatoes was very specific though. I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe maybe it has something to do similar to the benders where someone was like buried beneath a tomato plant in mm. their yard or something. Yeah, I was my second guess. And, and the person was really good fertilizer for the tomatoes. Oh my god, fertilizer. Yes, fertilizer yeah! for tomatoes. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not that's, that's Did my guess. Did we guess it? Those are really great guesses. And who's right? So your guess was fertilizer, Nicole? Yes. And what was yours? Well, my first guess was tomatoes being thrown at someone but i also concur with nicole i changed my answer okay um both of you are way off well (laughs) it was worth the shot yeah let's just start the story and you guys can figure it out all right 1944 new orleans let me tell you about laura fisher beautiful beautiful woman okay well, According yeah. John, every okay. murderous woman is beautiful. Yeah, that's true. Okay. And I the... wonder if he just looks up, <laughs> with the exception of last week's uh, mm-hmm. podcast, I wonder if he just looks up beautiful, murderous women. I think he's got a thing for it. Yeah. Do I? I don't know. Okay, so this beautiful woman, okay, on December 22nd, was in the De Soto Hotel. It's a very luxury hotel. And it's now, I looked it up, it's now called the Le Pavilion. It's probably just called Le Pavilion. So we're going to stay at this place when we go. Uh, yeah, we can. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> no. So it was called the De Soto, and it was in New Orleans at the time. De Soto or De Soto? Mm, De Soto, D-E-S-O-T-O. Is it capital S or It's D-E space capital S-O-T-O. De Soto. De Soto. Okay, so picture 
Okay, so picture Laura Fisher in your mind. Beautiful, beautiful lady. In a, she's wealthy. She's in a hotel called the De Soto in she New Orleans. There? New Orleans. No, she checked in just for the weekend. She oh. was going to have some fun, right? Okay. On Fat Tuesday? And she did have a lot of fun. She had a lot of fun that weekend. On Fat Tuesday? I I don't know. It was December oh, 22nd. No, yeah. no, that's like right before Christmas. Yeah. So Laura Fisher goes down to New Orleans. She's gorgeous. She's in the DeSoto Luxury Hotel. And that's where the maid found her on Christmas Eve, dead. Oh. In six inches of bath water. Oh. Nude. She was completely naked. Her head was cocked to the right. Her eyes were closed. She was dead. That's how the maid found her. Oh, so she was the victim, not the murderer. She was the victim, yes. Okay. This couldn't have been an accident, right? I mean, she's in a bathtub. But then again, it took the police a long time to figure out exactly who she was because she checked in with a fake name. She checked in with the name Miss DJ Stafford. And the the reservation was actually done by her husband, DJ Stafford, two days prior, right? So here's what happened. Where was the husband? The maid comes in. I'll get to that. The maid comes in, finds this woman dead in the bathtub, right? Pretty mm-hmm. unusual. Yeah. So she's screaming, freaking out. Yeah. The cops come. So now they don't know what to think. Because this woman has no bruises. This woman has no scrapes. There's nothing knocked over. There hasn't been a violent struggle. Like, it's, it's all of a sudden like this 28-year-old Austrian immigrant, perfect health condition, just died in the bathtub. There's huh. no blood anywhere. There was no blood, nothing. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting, right? So what do they do? They go and they talk to the hotel receptionist and say, they say, all right, well, what do you know about these people? Okay, well, the reservation was made by the husband, DJ Stafford, two days prior. And then Miss DJ Stafford came and joined him. And then they came down about two days ago because it, it took two days for them to find her body, right? Right. So they came down about two days ago and told the or he came down the husband came down and told the receptionist okay i'm we're going to be going to a party all weekend it's like this big get together it's kind of out of town so they're not gonna be back but they still had the room rented out so don't don't send the maid in and tidy up you know don't clean up don't clean up just just leave it be and then we'll check out when we get back from the party Hmm. so that's what they did right so they put the our the husband put the do not disturb placard on the door and then when it's time to check out they didn't come check out so the maid just naturally goes in there and finds her dead so that's what that's all the cops had to go with Hmm. so this is 1944 it's a lot harder to find someone with a fake alias in 1944 oh yeah there's no like google yeah could they find out how long she was dead for um the the coroner actually labeled the death as a possible homicide. Hmm. But with no scratches, no scrapes, no bruises, like, I mean, what was he to do? There was nothing. Right. Like, it's literally like she died of natural causes. But huh. they couldn't figure out how long she had been dead for. No, they could not figure that out. They knew she was in the bathtub 
for two days. So it's most likely she's been dead for two days. Okay. I mean, you could the bathwater isn't warm, so she, her body's and you oh. know it's it's in a stage of decomposition, rigor mortis, rigor mortis stuff like that, right? Well, so. maybe it sounds to me. Are we making theories yet? Go ahead. Yeah. That. The husband said they were going out of town, but they really weren't, and he killed her, and she was in the bathtub. And any, what do you think, Jen? No, I concur. Okay, so, all right, number one, all right, put yourself in the the, the detective's shoes, okay? This is crazy. Well, number one, these really weren't detectives yet. These were just regular police officers, because this right. may not have been a homicide. Right. Yeah. You understand? And... She it's may not have just died. Like she, she could have had like a brain aneurysm. In the yeah, now, exactly. Back then, yeah. and th- forget about the fake name thing because it actually happens a lot even today. Mm-hmm. Think about it. Even the woman, right, Miss Laura Fisher. Let's say she was married. She doesn't want to come down for a weekend rendezvous when she's supposed to be on a business trip and put a real name, right? Yeah, she can put a fake name. Yeah. So something could have happened, and then maybe the husband doesn't know about it. So. They were clueless. I mean, they, it was just okay. Natural so wait, causes. So was so was Laura Fisher Fisher married? They, she wasn't married. She was a recent immigrant uh, from Austria, and she had. I, she may have been married prior, but she wasn't married at this time. Wait, so who's Deidre Stafford? I thought you said that was her husband. He we're said we're he getting was her to husband. that. Okay, so uh, yeah, hold on. So, DJ Stafford. So, who is this guy they were asking the hotel? Like, what does he look like? Oh, okay. Well, he was he was tall. Okay. He was dark. You know, dark skin. And what else? Handsome. handsome. Exactly. That's what they said. He was tall, dark, and handsome. Another witness said he looked kind of like the Spanish type, maybe. Right? Another one said he was exceptionally well-looking and well-groomed. So this was a confident man. There was one thing they noticed about the room. Okay, so it's December. Laura Fisher, just like any female anywhere in the country at that time, would have some sort of coat. Right. Mm-hmm. So she would have had a fur coat. It was gone. Hmm. Her purse emptied out. Hmm. No jewelry, anything. All right. All right. Robbery, very, very suspect right now. Okay, so she was... But they still couldn't label it as a homicide. February 7th, 1945, so a few months, or two months after, right? Mm -hmm. About a month and a half after. Right. In Chicago, Atlantic Hotel, very luxury hotel. Oh, Oh, have you been there? No. Atlantic Hotel? No, I haven't. In Chicago? Nope. You sure about that? You seem a little... Yeah, you seem really sure. No, I just had, no, I just had, like, a thought. Oh, but go ahead. Have you been to Chicago? Yes, my mom's from Chicago. Oh, really? Yeah, she is. Hmm. Do you ever go back? Um, like maybe twice or three times. Okay, so February seventh, brand new year, nineteen forty five. Nineteen forty five. John H. Hannon, Texas cattle rancher, cattle trader from Texas. All right, yeehaw! And he is confident and he is wealthy. Very, very wealthy. And he is tall, dark, and handsome. And he, oh, he is tall, and he <laughs> is dark, and he is handsome. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Nicole's catching on. John H. Hannon, Texan cowboy. All right, we got it. Wearing a big cowboy hat, Jen. Big, wide. You know what they say about the hats? What? Big hat, 
big what? Head. Head overcompensating. What did you say? The big hat is overcompensating for something yeah. small. Well, I can picture this guy had a... <laughs> <laughs> what? Is you know what they maybe? say about big shoes, right? What? Big, big socks. socks. Mm. Yeah. They do say that. They do. Okay, so. All right, John H. Hannon walks into the Atlantic Hotel, but he's he actually goes to the... There's this pub called the Russell Silver lounge it's like a upscale joint like a cigar it it's kind of like it reminds me of the place in anchorman where ron burgundy does his jazz flute yeah. yes no actually <laughs> yes. very very good analogy yeah because i looked up the i have I'm the ron pi- burgundy? so i have the picture of it and it looks exactly like that that was a very yeah so yes. picture ron burgundy where do you get those clothes like yeah. the toilet store <laughs> and it was the type of place you had to have money to be there, and they had you know those dancers, the not strippers, the flappers. The yeah, the the no, women with the were in the, 20s. the long oh, the legs, pasties, uh, the long leg dancers, oh, the can-can can can cans, yeah, 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 yeah. from Moulin Rouge. That's like, yeah, but that's like a different time period. But maybe they just had people like that was like the Asian Are you talking about uh, this is the forties? Um, um the, they're doing the kicks. Oh, yeah, the uh, kicks. Uh, what's it called? Like the, the rockets, rockets almost. Uh, yeah. It's like the Can Can Girls. Yeah. Are they wearing like the... Yeah. This is... I'm picturing this in my mind, right? So think about the... Moulin Rouge in France, like the 1880s, 1890s. I love that movie. All right. So Russell Silver's Bar is a Can Can Bar. Very... Not like billionaire status, but pretty high up there in that world. You have to be someone to be in there. And then you look across a room and there's this cowboy, tall, dark, and handsome. With Ron Burgundy playing John I'm John H. Hannon. I'm a cattle trader down from Texas. That's what he said. And he attracts himself to lovely ladies. Mm-hmm. And one of these lovely ladies is a redhead. He likes some redheads. Was Laura Fisher a redheaded? Yes, Laura Fisher was a redhead. She sounds like a redhead. Yes, yeah, she does, doesn't she? Yeah, like Grace Sadler. Cheers. I didn't want to put that detail in there just yet, but kudos. Kudos so on you. Yeah, it's like a fetish for redheads. So he's in... The Russell Silver Bar, talking like a cowboy. He's got two gorgeous women on him. One's a blonde and one's a redhead. Both genetically mutated. What do you mean? Like, all right, so when, like, like humans, the majority of them are brown-haired or brown-eyed. And if you have blue eyes or green eyes, it's a genetic mutation. And, like, blonde hair... And you're red. a mutant, John. Okay, so so he was with two gorgeous no, just women. green eyes and red hair. Uh, so he was with two gorgeous women. One blonde, one redhead. The redhead that he was attracted to? Blanche Zimmerman. From Golden Girls? My grandma's name was Blanche. Is that from Golden Girls? The Golden Bl- Girls. Well, her, Thank I mean, you not for the last being name. a friend. But Blanche is definitely... Blanche is my dun, Jewish dun, grandmother. Dun, dun, dun. God okay, bless what were, her. What are you dun, saying about redheads? Dun, dun. You're a friend and a confidant. Bum, bum, bum. Jen sings in every episode. Yeah. Sorry. What, what, do you, what were like you saying about sing. redheads? I'm not that good at it, but it's okay. Jim, what were you saying about redheads? He had a fetish for redheads. I know that. And like a genetic, genetic mutation. mutation or something? Redhead, red hair is a genetic mutation. Okay, well, I have here the 13 amazing facts about redhead that everyone needs to know from Cosmopolitan.com. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Is that where you got this awful drink recipe? Yes. So the, oh, that makes uh, sense. So you got two redheads, right? So along with one hundred and one ways to please your man. Less than two percent of the world's population have red hair. That's hundred and forty million people. That's not a lot. Oh, redheads don't go gray. That's that's kind of crazy, isn't it? I feel like that's not true. No, I mean think about uh, the X Files girl, Julian Roberts. Women She's not color gray. Their hair. No, she does not color her hair. How do you know? Because she doesn't they, color her hair. They don't make red hair color. Yes, they do. Yes. Oh, my God. Can I have red Detective hair? Scully, please? No, this is from Cosmopolitan. They don't color their hair. It says red It says red hair. Right, because Cosmopolitan is now a peer-reviewed journal. It says red hair don't go gray. <laughs> oh, people with red, red hair are more likely to be left-handed. Recessive traits often happen in pairs, so commonly people with the gene for red hair also possess the trait for left-handedness. Blue-eyed redheads are super rare. Yeah, they usually have green eyes or brown eyes. Like the Weasleys. Yeah. Okay, I want you guys to guess right now, what is the name of the serial killer? The bathroom killer. Oh, that's, that's actually really close. It's not going to... So he was called the, the bath- bathroom rapist. Uh, it's not known that he raped his victims. Well, let's get into the other killings first. Well, wait, let's, let's get into make, it. Let's get Nicole. Well, now I feel like bathroom is in the name of it. So. No, no. Well, all right. So the newspaper when a I guess when a serial killer comes out, he doesn't really know his brand yet. So the newspapers kind of just try to throw their own twang on it to sell more papers. So they come up with different aliases for him. Redheaded Reaper. That's really good. Thank yeah. you. That's really good. I should go by that. Except I don't okay. have red hair. All right. John, John so H. Hanahan. Right? No, John, no, you're not. John H. <laughs> Hanahan. Okay, so he's a cowboy, Texas trader from Texas, right? Is he really from Texas? Or is that just he his has, on this? He has, I thought he was time. DJ Stafford. Now you're getting it. Yes. There were two women that he was courting at the time. Blanche. Blanche and Blanche. her friend Lillian. Right? Lillian, Lillian was the blondish. Um, I like the name Lillian. Yeah, no, I it's a great do. name. Like, Lily is a good name for, like, you can, it, it's like an old person's name and a young person's name. Because you can go by Lillian when you're, like, in your 50s. Yeah. And you can go by Lily. It's a beautiful younger. name. It is. It's nice. I, her last name wasn't Snet. S-N-E-T-T. Huh. It's all right. It's well, not. if she's going to get married off, she'll change it. Yeah. So Blanche, the real target not, here. because whatever was, you want. She was redheaded, right? So he wanted a redhead. Okay. He wanted a tomato. He's uh, called the tomato killer. All right. Come on, guys. Anyway. Uh, all right. So back in the 40s, they would call redheads tomatoes. We call and that's them... why he chose the bad drink, because it was a bad analogy. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Very so now bad. we call them gingers. And that sounds really bad, but we do... Oh, so we went from tomato to ginger. No, Interesting evolution. It is. All right, so it actually, the evolution of redhead names goes through tomato to carrot to now ginger. Like carrot top. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened to him? Who cares? He got really buff. Like, he was on steroids, I remember. It was, like, really weird. Okay, anyway, Forget. let's get back to the story. Okay, so... This cowboy is courting these two women. All right. The real target is Blanche Simmerman. But there's a problem. Mm -hmm. She's married. Oh. And he knows that because she has 
huge wedding ring on. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Diamond. Okay, keep in mind, he just came from New Orleans, mm-hmm. right? Now he's a cattle trader in freaking Chicago. Texas. Well, he's, te- he's a Texan cattle trader from in Chicago right now. Mm-hmm. So he's staying at the Atlantic Hotel for probably a week or two. Baller. In the tenth on the tenth floor, like he's up there, man. Like in the penthouse. Probably not penthouse, but he's near the top. He's definitely he. Sh- when you see this guy, you automatically think, "Wow, this guy's confident." Number one, he is. I do exceptionally... imagine him wearing like a long fur coat for a male. Mm, that that's that rings more of a pimp register. No, think me. think oh, more probably, of Mad Men. Do you think in the forties? No, no, like, no, no. Think more of a nice no. suit. Yeah, nice suit. Leather shoes. Long, Leather shoes. But he had like a long overcoat. No, 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 no. No, that's, that's no, no yeah, it? yeah, that's yeah. a different time period. That's like the twenties. That's like Depression era. Think like nice suit. He's from Texas. He doesn't need yeah, a long coat. He's in Chicago right now. Yeah, but he's still wearing his boots and stuff. His cowboy, his Stetson. It's cold in Chicago. Okay. Anyway, anyway, he's a he's a gambler too, right? He loves throwing dice. Just keep that in mind. So he knows, right? The best odds of winning to score with one of these women is to court both of them. So what does he do? He goes back to his hotel. I'm sorry. Did you say the only way to score with one of these women is to to court both of them? <laughs> that's that's what I said. So he goes back to his hotel, the tenth floor, and oh, they were, even though she was married, she did some freaky stuff. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. They don't go. The first night they didn't do anything. Okay, so Blanche goes back home to her husband. Okay. Lillian, her friend, has been recently divorced for like six, I think six years. Ooh, scandals in the 40s. Yeah, so she's she's good to go, but um, he actually phones both of them because they hang out all the time. So he phones both of them and asks, throughout the next coming days, ask both of them like, to go on dates with them like, separately. Which is kind of weird. I don't think anyone would do that. Right, Maybe so your they would. Fur coat, they, your people, fur... people would definitely do that today. They would. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. People do that. As wait, wait. They like, would yeah, call. I was gonna say she's dating. Yeah. Wait, what? It yeah. sounds like dating. It sounds like open relationship. No, no, no. All right, that's different though. No. No. Let's say you guys were best friends. Yeah. And you guys go out to the bar. Literally, I've been with somebody who is like that. Yes. But then you meet a guy, and then he calls. You, Nicole, and then he takes you on a date, then he calls Jen and takes her on a date? Literally, yes. Are you serious? Yes. Yeah, they do that. How do they do that? I don't get it. Because they're... Don't sound like you intrigued, like you want to (laughs) know. I've never heard that before. (laughs) Well, you got to win. And this was our previous conversations. Men are assholes. Yeah. So anyway, he was he took Lillian out about five or six times. You know we're all assholes, really. That's how we form. Uh, Come on, can I... uh, Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. He takes Lillian out about five or six times, but his the the real goal is Blanche, right? The redhead, the one with the big. Di- Actually, she was wearing two rings: one wedding ring and there's one just a jewelry ring. She had some nice jewelry on, and she had a silver fox fur coat. I'm calling her bluff. What do you mean? What do you mean calling her bluff? I don't think those are real. No, he knows they're real. He's a con man, remember? The first thing he notices about a woman is how much that ring you're wearing can be valued at, at a pawn shop. Well, for all our listeners, I don't have one. So, she's single! <laughs> okay, so the problem with Blanche, right, is she was married. Now, she she had a... The weird thing about her is she had a side job. So, she actually worked at the telephone company. Oh, I the, thought you were going to go somewhere else with the side job thing. No, yeah. she actually worked at the Illinois... She, the she worked at the Illinois Bell... She was uh, like a telemarketer. 
But she only worked at night. And her husband... So, like, for a good time call type of thing? No, more like, hey, do you want car insurance? Oh. You know? Oh. So, anyway. And that's not as fun. I know. I'm sorry. So... You know what I love? That we always say the same thing, and most of the time it's in unison. I know. It's great. We don't practice this, I swear. um, She works at a telephone company, and her husband, Harry Zimmerman... He actually works at the at the government, like through some mining company or something, gypsum. Anyway, back when mining was yeah, back so when mining was thing. So Blanche, for the past few weeks, has been working extra shifts, or at least that's what her husband's been hearing, right? Because she wants to go out and party with Lillian because she's kind of done with her marriage. I mean, Harry is Harry, you know. Ew. I mean, not Harry isn't <laughs> Harry. <laughs> Maybe you, you're like, because uh, Harry is Harry. Harry Physically. Harry's getting boring, and she wants to spice up her life. So she's got this. Every once in a while, stop, stop, stop. Ah, stop it to the left if you're having a good time. Shake it to the right if you feel fine. Shake it to the front. Ah, ah, you're right. Oh my god, come on. Can I please tell a story? You guys we always out? find a way to put the Spice Girls in. Okay. Ta-da. Okay, so Harry works at some mine. He's getting boring, man. Like, she wants to go. She's, man, she is done. Right? She's been in this marriage. She wants to go out. Her friend is like divorced, trying to get it, get it, you know? So they go out, and Harry thinks his wife's at work. All right. Blanche is going out with her friend. I just Blanche. think of my grandmother every time. Wait, how do you say your grandma's name? Blanche. 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 So Blanche, but she really wants to go out with this guy. I mean, he's successful. He's confident. He's tall, when dark, handsome. He's tall, mm. dark, and handsome. And then every time that they go out as a couple, like with Lillian and her, Blanche, like everyone looks at both the girls because he's just so confident, right? He's a showman. And everyone in the bar knows that. Mm-hmm. So the ultimate goal is to go out with this guy. So he, she finally relents and says, okay, I'll come over for the rest of the weekend. I'll tell my husband, Harry, hey, Harry, I got to work some extra shifts this weekend. So I'm not going to be home. The entire weekend? Mm-hmm, the entire weekend. Like, do they run a sweatshop over in this telephone booth where they're not leaving at all during the day? Well, it, it may have just been one night, but I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It was a Friday morning when Blanche... Blanche! Blanche escorted her husband to the car so he can go to work. And then she was already wearing her <clears throat> uniform for her job, so she was about to go to work, right? Right. But... She actually did have to work that day, but she called in ill because she wasn't feeling good. Her throat was getting scratchy. Uh, uh, I'm sick. Uh, I can't come out. Uh, I'm sick. So mean girls. She takes yes. off her work outfit and then she puts on the most expensive dress she has. And she also makes sure to put on those two rings that old John H. Hanhan complimented her on. Those two big diamond rings. She makes sure to bring those, right? She puts on her silver fox fur mink coat, and she rides out. She gets in the cab, and she goes to the Atlantic Hotel, 10th floor, to meet the cowboy from Texas. And where's her friend? Oh, she's out of the picture. She didn't have she's any out of the picture. She didn't have any interest. He only wanted to know 
he wanted to get oh, to know Lil- Lillian Dow. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't like the blondes. He likes the redheads. Well, I know, but he was kind of dating them both for a little bit. Yeah, but only to get closer to the Blanche. Yeah, that is a thing guys do. Scumbags. Same routine. Goes down to the front desk. Well, actually, so he checked in alone this time, which was different from the last one. Remember, he checked in two people. Right, DJ Stafford and Mrs. DJ yes, Stafford. Yes, so this time he's the only one checked in. Hmm. But he, stills, he still goes down to the receptionist and says, Hey, going to a party this weekend, so don't clean my room. I'll put the do not disturb, but, you know, don't disturb me, or whatever. But that night, that Friday night, oh, Blanche, Blanche, she goes over there and meets him. And she's done for. She's done for. Okay, so here's the thing. The detectives don't know this yet. So she goes up to the room and the maid, there was a maid that was cleaning the nearby room. And she made a mental note in her head because it was like one thirty in the morning and she heard the voice of a woman, not screaming, but just the voice of a woman. And she knew that that cowboy Texan was in there. Alone, he checked in alone. That's not saying the Texan couldn't went out and found him a, a nice date for the night. So, because that probably happened all the time. But the maid, you know, she still, you know, just like passing by, she makes that note. Like, okay, you know, whatever. But then she also noticed the do not disturb sign. And then it was there the next morning too. The maid, after making that mental note, the next morning, she kind of ignores it and goes in there. She ignores the do not disturb She sign? ignores it because... It's kind of annoying. I, I hate it when people do that. Well, yes and no, but there's there wasn't something right. She, I mean, she she knew something wasn't up. She she knew something was up. She knew something didn't sit well with her. So she just went in there. And she discovered Blanche, naked, sitting in a bathtub, positioned upright, head cocked to the right, eyes closed... Six inches of water. Huh. The American Weekly newspaper at the time quotes the maid and says, One minute later, she was racing down the corridor, screaming that there was a dead woman in the bathtub. Now, Chicago Homicide got on this immediately. And they went over there, and they noticed the bath water was still warm. Hmm. Okay? Hmm. So, yeah. So, luckily, the maid went in there because the bath water still warm. He's still in the area, right? Right. He didn't get far. But they still don't know that it's a homicide. Because they look over the body. No scratches. No bruises. No things thrown around everywhere. Right? No, like, signs of violence. No signs of struggle. So did he poison them? Okay, so the only thing that the toxicologist found in her body was benzodrine. So they actually took out her heart and her brain. And they did a toxicology report on both. And they found alcohol and ben- benzedrine. So I guess benzedrine is today's Adderall. It's an oh. amphetamine. It's the same oh. thing. So okay. you th- when I say benzedrine, just think of Adderall. But oh, like so. Speed. This- yeah. So ha- here's how it works. You if you drink a lot of alcohol, alcohol is a depressant. Yeah. So the benzedrine is a stimulant, right. just like Adderall. So right. it just kind of brings you back up. That right. and it was kind of abused, just like it is now with Adderall. Yeah. Right. Same same concept. So that's what they found in her. But that would be the only case in America where someone actually overdosed on it. That couldn't be it. Yeah. Okay. So so well, how- that's what I was thinking just now. Yeah. Okay. How is this? How insulin? Th- how are these two women dying? Insulin. They're both in the bathtub, six inches of water, 
No scrapes, no bruises, no signs of violence, no choke marks. They just like died. And these weren't old women. And one of the most important things, well, I mean, they're in a bathtub. They could drown. Well, no, there's no water in the lungs. There's no water in the lungs. They can't drown. So how did they die? How are they dying? Luckily, during this time period, it was, we're in the World War II, right? And they were, well, not luckily, I shouldn't say that. It was coincidental that there were some experiments being done. And they found that 80% of pilots in the war that would crash in the ocean would would drown. So they, they were trying to do all these studies to figure out exactly what drowning is. You know, what what does it mean to drown? It's not just swallowing water. Like, what actually happens to your, your system when you drown? Mm. And that's when they started to figure it out. You, can, you don't need to be submerged in water to drown. Hmm. And, in fact, if you look up dry drowning today, have you ever heard of a baby drowning in, like, a small puddle of water. Dry drowning. I feel like I have heard of it. Yes, it's a real thing. So let me read you this. All right, so this is what... This is the... the so this is good to know, okay? Because a lot of people die of this every year. And when they, they, they drown, but there's no water in their lung. The drowning definition does not imply fatality or even necess- necessity for medical treatment after removal of the calls, nor that any fluid necessarily enters the lungs. So the definition... Of drowning itself says that fluid does not have to enter the lungs. When a person is drowning, the air passages close to prevent water from entering the lungs. Okay? This prevents air from entering the lungs. Thus, depriving the victim of oxygen and eventually leading to unconsciousness and death. Usually only if the victim has been unconscious in the water for some time do the lungs fill up with water. More commonly, the water goes in the stomach. Okay, so here's how it works. If you start to drown, if your head is pushed underwater, your air passages will immediately close up because it's going to try to stop the water from going in there. And if you come out of the water, you will have no water in your lungs. Only when you start to literally die, when you start to lose consciousness, does your air passages open up and then water fills your lungs. That is the definition of drowning. Hmm. So these women... That were in six inches of bath water were being drowned. But there were no water in the lungs. So he wow. like put them underwater where their air passages closed and then they started to lose consciousness and he pulled them out? Yes. Wow. Thus causing no bruises, no scrapes, no bumps, no acts of violence, no strangulation, head underwater, pulling out. Were they? Go ahead, <laughs> go like, ahead and laugh. I said I, pulling I out. Yeah. <laughs> but like, would it? Like, I'm so. But there were no signs of a struggle either. Yeah. So I'm confused. Is it be, just because of the the drugs that they were like in a daze? Yeah, he state? probably had them. Not well. Not it wasn't drug. It was just Adderall. It was basically Adderall and alcohol. So they were probably drunk. So, and this is a big guy. He's tall, dark, and handsome. Slow response. And plus, right? uh, right. a woman like Blanche, right? She's not going to, I mean, she, this is the time of her life, man. This guy is, I mean, she's having the time of her life. She doesn't expect this. So she's in the bathwater already, probably getting pampered up by Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Charming. She's probably mm-hmm. doing her toes and rubbing her with oil, 
maybe pushing her hair back. You know, she's just in a state of, oh my God, this is the, this is the best life ever. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) and then all of a sudden her head is submerged in the six inches of water. There's really no, and this is a big guy. Like you, you're, you're not going to fight your way out of this. Hmm. And then before she actually drowns, before water actually goes into the lungs, he pulls her out. Oh, that's crazy. Thus, the, and the, and the detectives did not know this. This was, and this is still kind of new today. People don't yeah, really understand it, it, right? I mean, but people do drown a lot in small quantities. Of, it's just the act. If you're submerged in water, your air passages will close as a like involuntary response. Right. So that alone could kill you. You know, and only water will come into your lungs if you are continuously submerged. That is when water enters your lungs. Huh. So Blanche is gone. Well, she's still in the tub. She not dead? I mean, she's dead, but she's still in the tub. Well, I mean, she's she's dead. Well, oh, Harry has to come down to the the morgue and claim her body. Yeah. That's awkward. So even at the time, detectives, man, they they couldn't. All right. They don't want to. This is the time period where freaking the newspapers were nothing but, oh, is Japan going to bomb us again? Like, uh, I mean, this was very turbulent times. The last thing the federal government wanted was a freaking serial killer on the loose, killing a bunch of redhead tomatoes, right? What they call them, tomatoes. Mm -hmm. The last thing they needed with all this turbulent times is some freaking serial killer going out on the loose. So they didn't want to like jump to conclusions, if you will, and and say they're all homicides, you know. And there's no or proof. Or even say that there was a serial killer. Yeah, they only had two. Because right. I mean, it, they could have just naturally died. They could have. But what was weird about this case is her underwear, her panties were actually floating in the water with her. Oh. So they think she, they actually he actually stuffed them down her throat. So that it would close the air passage. Exactly. And that wasn't the case of the last one. So maybe, and maybe the last one, and you'll see about this guy, he he gets sloppier, but the the first one, he may have took him, he may have done the same technique and took him with him. Okay, so now now he's got two dead tomatoes. (laughs) Two two rotten tomatoes. Oh, that was so messed up. Uh, Oh, that should be the title. (gasps) Ooh, I like that, rotten tomatoes. Because I was going to go with, uh, you know, that movie, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes? I was going to... Do attack of the tomato killer, mm. or that's too. Like you can just call it tomatoes. rotten tomatoes. Yeah. All right. So what leads do they have? Okay, you got you got a a dead woman in the bathtub in New Orleans. You have another dead woman in the bathtub in Chicago, and they're both redhead. Obviously, this is someone doing that. I mean, there's two percent of redheads in the world. Like who the hell? Like what a coincidence, right? So they go down to the red the front desk, and they ask like, all right, who was in this room? Oh, well, um, he looked tall, I don't know, kind of dark and handsome. He had these bluish gray eyes that were just piercing. I mean, this guy was a looker, man. He does sound. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Um, Jen may have been one of his number. Yeah. I don't have good hair, though. Okay. diet nowadays. So, DJ Stafford walks into the New Orleans police office. He says, hey, I'm DJ Stafford, and I think I know who... The other DJ Stafford is. What? Yeah. This guy so is this guy, definitely confident. This guy used no. 
No, the real DJ Stafford walked the in. The real DJ Stafford, oh, not I the killer. The killer, not the killer. So like, was oh, what's his face what? a fake name too? John Hannon. Yeah, but it's a real. There is. A I'm going to tell you the real guy's name. DJ Stafford, the real one, walks into the police station. Hey, I think I, I think I know who DJ Stafford is. Really? The one you're looking for, because this guy, tall, dark, and handsome, picture in every paper right now, was an ex employee of mine. <gasps> What? Oh, the real shoot. DJ Stafford was That's a sloppy. Yeah. yeah, the real DJ Stafford was a car dealership owner, and the fake DJ Stafford, aka Joseph Dunbar Medley, huh. was his employee. A sleazy car salesman. A sleazy car salesman, oh. living the life of crime. But don't don't just push him off yet because. He dropped out of eighth grade, but that was because he was too smart. This guy is extremely intelligent. Yeah, but still, I mean, car, sleazy car salesman. He, he's mm. smart because he's And it, it may have been, I th- in the 40s, I don't think there were sleazy car salesmen. But it, I like, think that's only that a, now. Is that a thing where like, inte- like people who are psychopaths, sociopaths, I don't know the difference. I know we talked about this psychopaths before. Psychopaths don't like, they know have the higher di- intelligence. No, like, isn't there something like maybe a higher intelligence yeah. level? He definitely had higher intelligence. He was a fast learner and he was extremely confident. So he could, he was an uh, exceptional child. He was, ex- he was gifted. Yeah, but it was, during that time period, a lot of the kids, especially in that area, yeah, they weren't dropped out yeah, like and a lot of them went to life of crime. So he was just a run-of-the-mill criminal. And his crimes were more of the fast money, so he would do robberies, um, stuff like that to get money, and, you know, all over the country. So now they got his name. Now he's on every paper. Now he's branded as the bathtub killer. Oh, that's what I said. <laughs> you said the bathroom killer. Oh. That's close. That was close. I meant I, that's, like, that's, like, essentially it. I mean, yeah. I'll give you that. Joseph Dunbar Medley. Medley. And I'm going to go through quickly of... He's a three-named killer. No, that's... Well, that's his middle name, too. Like I Lee know. Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Oh, like yeah, that's a great names. point. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. I never thought about it. Yeah. Who so, else does? Um, um, The guy who killed John Lennon, too. Oh, Mark David oh, Chapman. Yeah. Um, The guy who killed Lincoln. Uh, Harvey Booth, or... La, John Wilkes Booth. John, John Wilkes, Wilkes Booth, Booth yeah. John Wilkes Wait, Booth. Wait, they don't do that. I think the Wilkes newspaper Booth, just does that. John Wilkes no. Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald have the same number of letters in them. And Lee Harvey Oswald fled a fled fled a oh shit. There's like connection. There's a whole there's like a whole there's a whole thing. Okay, let me go through his quick timeline of crime. All right. To get back to the story. All right. Walk All right. right. 1922, 1924. All right, so he was born in 1909, so he's like, uh, I don't know, like 20 maybe. Whatever. Um, Do the math. 18. Uh, 44 minus No, in 1922. Yeah, he's, oh, I don't know, wait, 16, 18. How did we get yeah, to 22? No, he's going back. He's going to get I, the whole quick timeline. Quick timeline oh, of crime. Flashback. 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 But oh. You know the guy's name. His name is... Flashback. Flashback. Uh, John Med- John Dunbar Medley flashback. Here we go. Time of crime. Here we go. 1922. 19- now see how fast I can do it. 1922-1924. Medley employed as used car salesman. 1929. Medley Medley sentenced to four to five years in Southern Michigan for for larceny by conversion, which is basically they they take your property by convincing you somehow scamming you to give their property. Oh, so like a con job. Yeah, like con job. Conversion is like converting that to you. 
So it's not like theft. Th- okay. theft is like stealing, and then this is like you're willingly you trick it, giving trick it. it. Yeah, it's tricking like them. Like joining a cult. No. Uh, a little off there. 1933, he was released after four years, and he constantly broke parole. 1933. Doing uh, what? No, breaking parole is not showing up to his parole officer. Right, release. got yeah. it. Okay, 1933, the same year, October 30th, uh, 31st, a gang Halloween. of his. Huh? Yeah, Halloween. A gang of his prison inmates, about four people, they kidnapped and robbed an ex-mayor. They actually assault, they oh. found him on a country road, old country road, took him in, beat the sh- living shit out of him, literally. He's a wealthy guy, like 58 years old, beat the hell out of him. And he actually owned his own business at the time. And they took him back to where this mayor on this business and they kept beating him until he opened the safe and he gave them $45,000 worth of jewelry, um, savings bonds, anything that they could cash out. They could actually cash out bonds to some shady pawn shops and stuff, you know, government bonds and Mm -hmm. stuff. I feel like that's just stupid though. Like beating up an ex mayor, like that's a high profile crime. Well, that's one of the reasons he got called again because John Dun or Joseph Dunbar Medley wanted to kill him, but there was kind of a newbie criminal with him, like oh, like a novice, and he was like, "No, we shouldn't kill him. Let's let him go." That's so, like but say. yeah, Joseph Medley literally wanted yeah. to put a bullet in his head, and the the kind of the novice criminal, novice, novice criminal, convinced him not to, so they let him go. Loyola. So obviously, the the guy turned him in. So now he's 1934, back in prison, right? So. Now he's serving 30 to 60 years in prison. How'd he get out? Well, I'm going to go there. So he requested to go to um, Southern Michigan prison, right? Low security. He's well, going to break, he's well, he going to rob the bus and he jump was, out the bus. He did four months there and he noticed some things. Yeah, lack security and he noticed everything else. The whole prison system at the time in that prison institution was mob run and like literally it was grease some palms shake some hands no i'm talking about all the inmates all the inmates ran the prison they had prostitutes in and out the door they had gambling tournaments or whatever they had liquor drugs booze john or joseph great joseph medley was like a a vacation joseph medley was that's a great movie we never finished it we'll have to finish it joseph medley was drunk Half the time. But when he wasn't, he came up with this scheme. It was a fun, it was a war bonds for the war that was going on. It was a fundraising scheme. And he was in charge of it. Mm. So, and at the time, this isn't like this anymore. That Michigan prison was even given day passes out to, to like, killers and, like, rapists to go visit their... What? prostitutes and wives and whatever. Wow. And even, they were even giving day passes out so the inmates could go hold up contracts for killings, for murder for hires. What? There were cases where these convicts would go out on a day pass and kill somebody to complete a contract. That This is how bad, this is a mob run prison. That's how bad it was. Okay, so he was able to get out very easily. Well, he got out because he put together this scam this war bond scam, and he had to go off the main campus, the main prison, to go talk to, uh, talk to a bookkeeper. Yeah. And then he swindled his way, like the driver with the prison guard was kind of hesitant, but he, he talked them into it, because he can talk anyone into anything. So he actually went, and he had a change of clothes waiting at the location. 
came back down to the the van where the prison guard was driving and he was like all right i need to go to the bank and he's in civilian clothes now the prison guard dropped him off at the bank to do his bond thing you know with the war bond his Mm -hmm. scam and never seen him again okay right after that happened the next four months he murders three redheads november he skates with his bogus fundraising scheme and then a month later december 22nd laura fisher is dead Mm-hmm. In the hotel room. That was the first victim. The first tomato is rotten. Right? Bum, bum. The second rotten tomato was February. That was Blanche Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. So that was a month and a half later. Yeah. Second rotten tomato. So he's on a roll. Right? Third, far apart from one another. No. Yeah. 1945. February 25. Medley's true name and photo appears in the paper. Oh. Because of um, the guy, the real guy, DJ Stafford. Yeah. yeah. So by March, the next month, Medley's mugshot and s- complete story appears on the front pages of every paper. Ooh. So and like they're get- he's getting known. Yeah. And the FBI steps in and issues a nationwide manhunt. Now he's in Washington, D.C. Oh. Not even a few days later. He he's must have been in major cities. Yeah. Exactly. So the psychology, if you, you were asking about psychology earlier, um, there's probably a lot of narcissism involved in this, but we do know a few things. He loves to be in the big city, mm-hmm. so I don't know if that's a psychology thing, but he maybe it's because there's more opportunities, or so he can blend in, or something like that. But yeah, he does hit all the main Happiness cities. Happiness that he doesn't think he can get caught, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Well, actually, he's not in Washington, D.C., Larry Fisher is in oh, Washington, D.C. Larry Fisher, and he yeah. killed Laura Fisher. That's kind of screwed up, isn't it? He took yeah. her name. That was weird. That's that's a D-bag move. Is that, is that weird or just it's lazy? Like kinda, it's, no, yeah, I it's think creepy. it's kind of creepy. You think so? Yeah, it's yeah. creepy. Maybe he had a thing for it's her a little, because like, they, the, her panties weren't there, remember? Like her underwear weren't there? I, it's creepy. Yeah. Larry I mean, Fisher. Just, I mean, it's going to be fucked up on any level just because of the scenario, but it's just... It's creepy. It is kind of creepy. Yeah. I mean, I kind of knew it was creepy when I read it, but... Now, I mean, the fact n- that he... I mean, once you once you read that he's killed someone, it's kind of like... Yeah. Where did the, te- like, guy, the Texas character name come from? I don't know. Huh. I mean, I think he just pulled that out of it. Or maybe he's killed more than than we I mean, know. The, yeah, like, I mean, it's interesting. Like, yeah. the other one was a, his boss's name. And yeah. It, like, it, I feel like it probably came from somewhere. So yeah. maybe he had a... Th- like, um... Maybe he had a fight with his boss or something. I, I don't know. Like, why would he even use his boss's name? That's so well, that's stupid. Well, it's just like... Because yeah, that's such a, a weird name. Yeah. Though. Well, it's just easy for him to get caught by using his boss's name. Yeah, so there's got to be some psychology involved in that. Yeah. But, the, yeah, the Larry Fisher is kind of messed up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now that I think about it. Um, anyway. Right. Yeah, so Larry Fisher is in Washington, D.C. Nice hotel room. And and keep in mind, his face is on the front of every newspaper right now. Is he he's, wearing a fake mustache? He probably is. He is, well, the reports, once the detectives go, they describe him as tall, dark, and handsome. It's crazy because everyone uses those. I mean, he is the perfect match for that, right? So anyway, um, he's in Washington, D.C., and he meets Nancy Boyer, a self-employed, millionaire socialite now he doesn't know where her money comes from 
because she's not really transparent with it. She doesn't really say what she does. But then he later figures out that she has a really nice apartment and she throws all these poker tournaments in the apartment. Huh. So they hit it off because, you know, why not? He's tall, dark, and handsome and she is a redhead, you know? So, and luckily for him, Nancy obviously doesn't read any of the newspapers because his face is plastered all over him. So he, he does this one really quick. And instead of the bathroom romantics and stuff like that, she throws a poker party because he wanted to, because he's a gambler, he's, you know. Right. So after the poker party ends, it's like 5.30 in the morning, Friday night, um, everyone's leaving, all her girlfriends, and Nancy's like, hey, do you mind walking some of my girlfriends down so they can get a cab? It's like, okay, I'll do that. And then she says, make sure you come back up, though, because mm-hmm. I want to get some breakfast, you know. Okay. Yeah, right? So she wanted to hook up, obviously. So he's like, yeah, sure. She, he goes down and walks one of her friends to a cab, puts her in a cab. Oh, it's great to see you. It's nice to meet you. I hope you, we see you around, uh, yada, yada, yada. Goes back up there, and then Nancy's all giddy, you know, giddy. Oh, my God, what do you want to eat? Eggs, steak and eggs, hot sauce maybe? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then, so she goes to the fridge, and then, like, she's she pulls out the eggs and the, the cheese and everything, and as soon as she turns around, he punches her right in the face. What? Like, right, like, right in the nose and breaks her nose, like, well, as hard as he can. Well, this is uncharacteristic of him. Yeah. Well, well, he's getting sloppy. Or he is getting desperate because his name is on newspapers? His name's on every paper. And he needs money to He's get running out of money. The poker tournament, he thought he would scam everyone from their money, but he it didn't work out that way. So she turns around. He clocks her in the face. Boom, as hard as he can. Yeah. She falls on the floor. He pulls off her scarf that's around her neck. He starts choking her with her own scarf, Ugh. right? But she's a fighter. Nancy is a fighter, man. And she's going to... She's going to... She's going to... Oh. She's gonna, she's gonna make sure that she's getting out of this alive, right? So she's she's fighting back, and he's got the scarf, and her nose is all broken, there's blood everywhere. He's choking the hell out of her, like she's screaming. Keep in mind, they're in an apartment, right? People can hear. So he's getting really like worried now. The pressure's on because people can hear. It's in a freaking apartment. He's got to be quick. He pulls out a thirty-eight and. Shoots oh, her. Shit. Oh, he no. well, he shoots at her and it hits her thumb. Her oh, thumb. Bad shot. Yeah, oh, no. bad shot. Her, now she the, only has four fingers. Well, so the thumbs like laying right by her head, like in Superstore. Wait, what? When Marcus cuts his thumb off. Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So he shoots, but he misses. It goes to the floor, hits her thumb. Her thumbs laying by her head. <laughs> What? <laughs> this is what happened. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. So she's like, all right. So, all right. Number one, he just fires a shot in this so apartment in Washington, D.C. Like, yeah, hearing it. Yeah. Their bullet literally goes to the floor. And I'm sure he didn't have a silencer. Her he freaking thumb is laying by her head. That's unfortunate. For Christ's sake. Ay, ay, she ay. turns her head to the right. He puts one right behind <gasps> her ear. And then another one right above the ear. She's dead. Her head is done. Thirty-eight caliber special. Boom, boom. Three shots total. No one in the apartment heard anything. Well, he got lucky. Well, what the hell? Yeah. He walks out of there. No one even sees him leave. Of course, he's got her fur coat, all the jewelry, right? And everything else she had. 
This guy was getting sloppy. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it sounds like he knew he was his time yeah. was coming to an end. So that was tomato number three. Yeah. Rotten tomato number three, dead. Nancy Boyer. Okay, around the same time, what I was telling you earlier about the Michigan, the uh, Southern Michigan prison system. Yeah. yeah. The mob, okay. The mob run yeah. Around this time, it's literally getting completely worked. Like, everyone's getting fired. Literally, they fired, the like, the entire staff. Congress got involved. They, like, passed this new act. Like, it was this whole big thing. Right? There yeah. were some big changes just because of him. Because everyone else, like, if you went to that prison, you didn't want to escape. You were, like, living the high life, right. man. Your life was great, right? You know, drinking, prostitutes. Like, your life was great. So, all right. Let's go to Baltimore Ooh, before Baltimore. we finish this story. His name was... Baltimore. experience in Baltimore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Loyola. Loyola. Okay, so his name was... Old Bay. James H. Hannon. No. So he's kind of just playing Wait. off the first one. <laughs> he was John Hannon the first time. I know. He so is really fucking He's lazy sloppy, now. man. Like, his face he's is lazy. plastered. Uh, well, lazy. probably lazy. He probably, but then again, like, he's, he's so. To get caught, so yeah. he he's so narcissistic, though, that Maybe. he feels like he can get away with murder. And he has. Literally. Yeah. I mean, he's killed three tomatoes already. <laughs> okay. So they're in. Uh, they're in. Um, Splattered. No, he's. Yeah. He splattered one. Splatter. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow, Jen. Did you did you have to go there? I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like like the most the worst comments are coming from this one lady's murder, and I do feel bad. So please don't yeah. like haunt me or anything. I've gotta keep my scapula on. Okay, me. so J- James H. Hannon. Excuse me. James H. Hannon was from Baltimore, but Mom. now he's in St. Louis. Sorry to burst your bubble now. Wow. Yeah, so he he's a Baltimore guy. His persona. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So he was a Texan, and now he's from Baltimore. He's got these personas. He's got different characters. He's right. in St. Louis. He's in St. Louis, right. And he's staying at the Jefferson Hotel, which is apparently a really nice hotel. I feel like I've heard of that hotel. It's yeah. a nice hotel. He's staying at... I mean, think about it. So I'm he's stealing... For something else. Yeah. He's stealing, like, the last girl he killed, the last tomato. All three tomatoes had really nice... Fur coats. See, you refer to them as tomatoes, and that's not a problem. But I say it's a splattered tomato, and that's something wrong with that. Yes. Yeah. That's and just kind of dark, Jen. That's kind of dark. Splattered. They say that people with dark humor are more intelligent. It is. Okay, so he, he hasn't even had time to really build a new persona. He's getting sloppy. He's using the same names pretty much. He's just changing little things around. He's in St. Louis, and he meets uh, Maybell Mueller. Let me guess. Does she have red hair? <laughs> she does not have red hair. What? I know. He's now breaking. He is like just... I, I thought that was a freaking gimmick. I know. Now, he can't was be the breaking. Killer anymore. Now he's I know. Just, he, well, he's getting he's sloppy. He's desperate. He just wants I know. anyone. Ugh. But right now, good thing about it, he's famous. He's a media darling. Like these, everyone, the media, he's a media darling. He is. He because oh, everyone cool. knows his face is everywhere. Everyone's saying, and "Oh wow, like, oh he's a murderer," but he's so cute. <laughs> Okay, I feel like so I can picture that happening in today's society. Remember, there was oh, this yeah, that, that one criminal, guy, yeah, yeah, really yeah, hot yeah. criminal. He was a hot criminal. And now he's a model. Yes, yes. Didn't he look? Was he looked like somebody? Kind of. Didn't Bow Wow. He? he looks like Bow Wow. That's what we're going for to be a model these days. Oh, uh, what? Okay, so anyway, her <laughs> uh, name was Mabel Mueller. 
She was an attractive 40-year-old divorcee. Oh, he's going older. Yeah, and I don't think... So, like I said earlier, 2% of the population were redheads. Right. So maybe he just... Ran out of redheads? Number one, he's his main his main motive is robbery. Right. So he's not going to wait around for a redhead that's wealthy. Well, that's what it sounded like from the past. I mean, that's what he was doing, but he now... He afford to yeah. be a little patient. Yeah, now he can't be patient. Now he's he's got to move. Maybelle Mueller was the luckiest girl alive. Because she got she, murdered by the tomato killer? Well, she was she was at the hotel that he was staying in. They were eating lunch. And he was, he was kind of pushing it along pretty quickly. Oh, see, don't do that. Like, don't do what? Like, why do guys do that? Why do they push so quickly? Well, I mean, he's trying to kill her. What do you mean? He's sexually aggressive. Well, not that. He wanted to kill her. Well, yeah, but he didn't say, oh, I want to kill you. He's like, oh, I want to take you to bed. No, he didn't say that. Well. Okay, so here's how this went down. She's at the hotel in the, in the dining room talking to this guy. And he is, I mean, everyone is looking at th- this couple. Because, like I said, he, even though he is the, on every newspaper and a nationwide band hunt, he's still so narcissistic and confident that he is attracting the attention of everyone. Well, that's like when you because like he's a serial killer, or just because he's so good looking. Well, he's very good looking, well, but he's just very confident. That's kind of like when you see a celebrity in public; like you don't always recognize them right away. Like even though you see them everywhere, they're just a normal person. Yeah, she's the luckiest girl alive because right a few tables down, there was Dr. James H. Elder, a university a university psychology professor. That was, he was with his colleagues at the like adjacent table, a couple of tables over, mm-hmm. and he looks. He keeps he keeps looking at Medley, and he's like, I know, I, I've seen that face before. I've seen him somewhere, and he he asks his colleagues, Hey, have you guys seen? I mean, is that guy look familiar? Like the one over there with the the girl, chatting up that girl. Does he look familiar anywhere? Like. They're like, no, we haven't seen him. But it, it was in his mind. Right. So he goes back home and is just bugging him, bugging him, bugging him. And then he pulls out one of the papers and there he is. Boom. Right on the front page. So he calls the FBI. And the, the night that Medley, the, the day before Medley was going to check out. So Medley was out. He was out on a date. With, with Mueller? With Mueller. With Maybell Mueller. And he was supposed to check out the following morning, which means... He was going to kill her. He was going to kill her. The FBI gets the call. They go to the hotel, search his room. They find Nancy Boyer's fur coat and the purse Uh. and some other thing. They knew it was him. They wait around. They they put a sting upstairs, Mm -hmm. SWAT team or FBI or whatever. Soon as he walks out the elevator with pretty old Maybell, mm-hmm. oh yeah, let's go to my room because she's about to get murdered. Right. Because he's leaving tomorrow morning. Soon as the door opens, ding, elevator door slides open. The FBI agents are right there, and they knew he was. He had a thirty-eight on him because he shot the other girl. Yeah. So they weren't taking any chances. They had the entire hotel surrounded by that point. Mm-hmm. But he said he just said, "Okay, I'm going, I'm going willingly." Hmm. Maybell Mueller. Luckiest girl ever lived. Mm. She was hours away from her own death. Wow. Very lucky. She is lucky. Okay, so he finally gets caught. The tomato killer is now securely locked up in prison for Mm -hmm. first-degree murder. And everyone lives happily 
ever after. Except for the tomatoes that were... Except for when he escapes. Again? Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah, he escapes. What? Uh, Was he sent back to this Michigan prison? Joseph Dunbar Medley surrendered peacefully and was put on death row with overwhelming evidence. I mean, he was linked to every one of those killings. There was so much evidence against him that the lawyers literally stopped trying. Wow. They tried. I mean, they just literally gave up. Like, dude, you're going, you're getting in the chair. Yeah. There's nothing anyone could do. Like, but he was such a media darling. The the media loved him. He was so photogenic. He was so confident. He would always make those snarky comments. Kind of like Scott Peterson. No. So he's in locked up in Washington, D.C. jail on death row, probably very secure. And then him and a buddy, this ex-Marine, which is 24-year-old McFarland is his name, He's, he was convicted of killing a woman and raping her, so he's on death row as well. He befriends this guy, and then they befriend two of the death row guards, because I guess the guards, the prison guards, would work all night shifts. So, Is there anyone who's not corrupt in these prison systems? This prison was... Uh, it's funny thing is, if there's nothing else that came from the tomato killer, is um, the good thing was that he reformed two prison systems, the one in Michigan and one in Washington. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> because, okay, so... They suck. The prison guards that were in charge of him were also a part of his Midnight Rummy Game Club. Oh, God. Yeah, called the Death House Card Club. The Death House Card Club. The Death House Card Club. It was just four of them. It was him and his convict buddy, his prison and pal, guards. and two guards. And they would stay up all night and play rummy together. When they were supposed to be doing prison guard stuff, right? They would be playing cards. Well, like on their on their shift. Doing nothing. But. So, anyway, the perfect opportunity finally came. One of the prison guards started feeling sick. Oh, my stomach. Oh. Then Medley says, you know, it's it's getting late. There were a couple hours in the game. Why don't you just, just take a nap, you know? Just, you can just go in my prison. Just go in my cell. It's open. Just lay down. Take a nap. Oh. I mean, you won't be the first guy to do it. Right? So he does that. I'm not falling for this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And as soon as he did that, and he, they knew that he was out, passed out, the two of them overpowered the other guard and then threw him in the cell as well and locked the door and locked the gate. Did they put on their uniforms and walk out? Very, very good. Thank they you. put on their uniforms. They didn't walk out because I don't know why they didn't walk out. I guess they didn't have the security thing to walk out. But they did grab some bed sheets wearing the uniforms. Climbing through your windows, snatching your people up, trying to rape them so you better hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids. These two prison guards are in those prison cells, and they're wearing their uniforms. So these guys are literally butt naked. They probably feel like idiots, right? <laughs> like, you think? I'm surprised they didn't kill him. To be oh no! With you. Yeah, I thought you. Yeah, I thought they were gonna kill him. Well, the paper, like the the, um, it's so funny because the actual newspaper from the time said the guards were suspended, <laughs> like oh after God. this incident. So anyway, well, that sucks. Duh. I mean, okay, so they should be. Yeah. Okay. Fucking idiots. So they threw them in Medley's prison cells. Well, actually, what he said was, he says, "Why don't you go in my bunk and lie down for a while." You wouldn't be the first guard to do it. That's what that was his exact quote. Because that's really <laughs> believable, and so, also kind of sounded like sexual suggestive. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, go ahead. So Medley and his 
Buddy, his prison pal, they grab some dirty sheets, just like in the movies, right? And they actually cut the way through a copper ventilator with a rusty ass can opener that he's been what? saving. Yeah, so I mean, he's he's a MacGyver. He's been saving this can opener for like a year. It's like I'm gonna use Where? this someday. I don't know. I guess from the kitchen. But where were they hiding it? Do you want to know? I mean, I don't know. Probably in the cell somewhere. And then he gets all the way to the roof. Okay, so now you got this this killer tomato, killer cereal of tomatoes. Kill three women, <laughs> try to kill one more. They literally have bed sheets tied together, and they throw them off the side of the, the prison. They're climbing down, and he's starting to feel like a free man. He he's probably like, I can't believe these idiots, man. I am getting away with this again. Are you kidding me? So the marine jumps down, and he's fine. Right, so the bed sheets only went down a certain level, but there was like a fifteen foot drop, which is pretty pretty big. Yeah, ten to fifteen feet. So yeah. they didn't get enough bed sheets. Uh oh. So the marine jumps down and he runs off because they split up immediately. He goes to the city. So now Medley's climbing down, climbing down the rope. Oh, I was thinking of like the, the like Mario. Video, yeah, it's like a video game climbing down the ladder. Yeah, like Donkey Kong. Yeah. So he's climbing down the ladder, and then he, at the end, he lets go, and he has that 10 feet, 15 feet drop. Does he break his legs? He sprains his ankle. Oh. Right? He sprains his ankle so bad. What a little bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so he sprains his ankle, and he hobbles his way to the nearest river. It's called the... Uh, Anacostia River. I don't know. It's a, a, one of the local rivers. And he hides himself in an 18 foot wide drainage tube, like a big drainage tube. <laughs> right? And he like hides there. He's all like, su- like a sewage. He like, jumps in the sewage. You've never seen Shawshank Redemption? No, I told you I'm so Oh my God. Oh my God. That's We're a really totally good movie. Yeah, that's it's a really fabulous. excellent movie. I know that they. Okay, so guys, he climbs into this big drainage ditch sewage ditch this uh, pipe right and he stays there and this is right a couple blocks away from the prison and he stays there until the morning because he he can't move his leg is literally sprained so bad he he can't do anything he can't get away so he's kind of stuck and a local police officer that was just patrolling wandering around actually sees him and arrests him now he is securely locked up in death row again, Jeez and Louise. they expedite his execution date. And he's such he's a... He's like, and you're going to die tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So, and eight months later, yeah. Listen, he was such a snazzy, snarky commenting guy. I want to tell you what, when he, they pulled him out of the drainage ditch, and I'm about to show you a picture of him getting pulled out of the drainage ditch. There's a picture of that? Yeah. So they pulled him out. All the cameras were there when he gets back to the prison, right? Because it is a huge thing. I mean, every paper in the nation was trying to cover the story. And this is what he said. He looks at the camera and says, Well, you can't hate a guy for trying. I'm just glad no one got hurt. But I'll tell you this. I'll try it again if I get the chance. And you can stick that in your pipe and smoke it. What? That was his quote. He's in the chair. The priest... You know, heart to heart. And unfortunately, he doesn't have any cool death words. He just says a death prayer, and he holds a rosemary, a rosary that the priest gave him. And he says a death prayer, and he... That's it. That's it. That's the tomato killer story. Do you guys like that? That was great. All right, sweet. 
That's awesome. That was a great one. It was. It was good. Oh, <laughs>